Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Why hello. Well, hi, everybody. Thanks for coming out to see just us. We appreciate it. Awesome. Uh, hey, Jonah, good to see you. Yes, good to see you, too. Uh, yeah, so me, uh, Brad, Benny and Steven do a podcast called Going Off Track. Uh, Laura's been on it before. Um, probably a lot of people you like have been on it. And so we are going to host this interview. It's a live podcast, but also, obviously, Laura's book release. So yes. yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Right on. So hey man, uh, without further ado, yeah, let's bring out Laura Jane Grace and Dan Ozzy. Hi. Whoa. Hey. hey guys, what's up? <laughs> so you've been How you signing, guys doing? Signing a lot of books? About 500. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. It's always good to sign a lot of things and then play afterwards. Yeah. Carpet I signed them up. too, so if you were looking to sell them on eBay, oh, that just went down. So. <laughs> hi, Dan. Good hey. to see you. I didn't happy know birthday, you. Stephen. Thank you very yeah, much. Happy Stephen's birthday, birthday today. Birthday today. Yes. yes. Can I also say very quickly? Uh, yesterday was my father's birthday and I forgot to call him and today he had a mild heart attack and he came (laughs) I mean he won't read the book but he's here yeah but he wins Yeah. so happy birthday dad sorry I might have given you the heart thing <laughs> for anyone who can't see, he also just illustrated a fake heart attack uh, for yeah. us. <laughs> Which fake heart attack? Um, so I thought maybe we could start by you two talking a little bit about the process behind the book. Because Dan, I felt like I couldn't hang out with you for like a year, and I thought maybe that wasn't like because me. of the book. <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> Every time I try to talk to you, out. like I'm so busy. I mean, how did it sort of work between you two? Um, well, we were working out of a word file yeah, that was I, shared. And, I uh, wrote the nouns, and then Laura wrote the verb. <laughs> Some really good nouns in that book. <laughs> but, I mean, the, the first thing that you came to visit while I was in Michigan, and uh, we were working on a record at the time, and I was like, here, here's all my journals. Go ahead, read through them if you want, whatever you want. And so you just laid on the couch and read through all my journals. And then I closed it, and I was like... Okay. <laughs> what are we talking about here for the amount of stuff? Like, two, how much journaling like was it? Two, two boxes, like, this wide and this tall, like, literally just overflowing. And, like, you opened them up, and it was, like, top to bottom scrawled. Wow. And I was like... And tra- the first one you had in a little tin box from when you were eight years old. Yeah. Wow. And I was, like, reading it, and, like... It was not descriptive at all. I mean, you were eight. I'm not trying to disparage you. But it was like, it was like uh, today, uh, today me and my family went, uh, you know, me and my brother went to school, and then after school we walked to the park, 
and then we got dinner, and then my brother got hit by a car, and then and, and then we and I was like, whoa, 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 slow down about the about your brother getting hit by the car. Like that's the thing that I would like to know about. And then they got better yeah. as they went along. Yeah. Uh huh. Did you have like a consistent like? Always had to use the same binder. Always had. To I use did. It was a Mead notebook that had pockets in it, so I could save like stuff as I went uh, along the way. Yeah. And then that when you like look up. in the pockets, there were a lot. There were a lot of like photo strips from like probably some people in this room, like with you. <laughs> and then there were like really nice notes that people wrote. But then once in a while, you'd pull one out, and it was it just said like "fuck you, sellout." <laughs> I was like saved everything. <laughs> So you did get my letter. <laughs> well, that was also so interesting about the book was you trying to explain some maybe people who don't know a lot about punk why it was so crazy to sign to Fat Records or why people would be so mad because some of the stuff is so absurd to kind of talk about. It was absurd looking in hindsight about it. Even. Sure, yeah, it was absurd at the time to me. Um, <laughs> we we kept writing it and I and I again like I wanted everybody to get it so we would she would write something like, oh, and then people got mad at us because of Fat Mike. And I'd be like, hey, um, my mom doesn't know who Fat Mike is. Can you explain that real quick? And so we had to spend like two sentences explaining who Fat Mike was. And then she's like, yeah, and then I signed from No Idea Records. And I'm like, my mom doesn't know what, what that is either. But we, didn't, we did not explain who Ian Mackay was. Everyone N- just has that, to know who And Ian you had Mackay like a, is. after I went to the press, like you like texted me in like the middle of the night. You're like, I just realized... We didn't, we didn't specify who Ian Mackay was. People aren't going to know who it is. I'm like, they can Dan, Google, your, Google works. Does your mom know who that is? Mom, do you know who Ian Mackay is? No, she doesn't know. <laughs> send, send all of your books back. We'll give you a full refund at the... I'm sorry. Whose idea was it to then, after going through the journals, to put the journals in the books? There's certain... I mean, that was excerpts. my intent all along. I wanted a certain amount of that. I really wanted the journals to kind of carry the story, you know? So, um, that was, yeah. That was... For me, very striking. It felt it felt felt a little intrusive as I was reading. It felt like too intimate, and I really didn't Every, enjoy. Everyone it. in this room is basically <laughs> holding my diary in their hands. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, like, what was that process like of saying this journal gets to go in, but this one maybe? Well, it's funny. It was a funny thing to read, like words that clearly just like meant the world to you when you were writing them. And then I was just like, hey, this sucks. Cut, cut this. <laughs> Let's not put this in. But, but some of them were combined. You know, if yeah. it was like a day before something happened and then the next day something happened, it was like, okay, well, we can just combine those two yeah. entries and chop out the boring bit of the entry. But that's for the there, record, you know? like, the journals that are in the book came straight from your journals. Like, we, did, we maybe, like, fixed the punctuation or something like that, but we didn't, like, take things out. We didn't, like alter it or gussy it up it's that's how it was in the book for sure in the journals yeah. laura i were you it seemed like you were so consistent with the journals throughout your life i mean even when you're whatever drugs like anything happening seemed like you were still doing that i mean what kind of drove you to always do that no matter what else was kind of going on i mean it was it was practice you know like i i really like was journaling because I thought it would make me a better lyricist. I could only write lyrics for so many hours a day or whatever, you know, that's why I needed a different form of writing. So it became journaling. And I mean, when you're touring and you're sitting in a backstage or on a bus or whatever, that's something you can do anywhere. So. You talked about a, uh, a teacher who had initially given you like the thought of journaling. Mm-hmm. Do you remember who that teacher is? And does that teacher have any idea that that suggestion turned into what it 
just turned into? Um, her name was Miss DiBiase, and uh, I'm pretty sure she passed away. Oh. Yeah. Thanks, Benny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How could he know? <laughs> Don't put it on him. We specifically asked you not to bring up Miss DiBiase. Yeah. <laughs> I got AOL dial-up. I should have figured that one out. That's my fault. I was taken aback. Uh, we mentioned this a little bit backstage. I'm an army brat as well. And as soon as you talked about having trouble with attachment, I mean, I've been in therapy for over 10 years now, and that's something we still talk about. When you move around that much, it's very difficult to hook, you know, really attach to something or somebody. And how do you think that affected you, your songwriting, and you throughout your life? Um, I mean, it definitely gave me the traveling bug, you know, like from a very young age, always moving around and going to different places. But it did like, it gave you kind of a sense of temporariness of everything, you know, um, and just felt like things could change at any moment, you know. Do you ever feel like you have a home? Um, the road is my home. No, <laughs> Cop out. <laughs> I mean, what was it like? With some of the stuff, knowing the people you were writing about were going to read it, and maybe it didn't make them look super great. Terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally terrifying. Uh-huh. When we were done, I was like, oh, man, this book rocks. I hope my friends and family read it. And Laura was like, this book rocks. I hope my friends and family don't read it. <laughs> <laughs> do you do that? Do you let people know, like, hey, I'm talking about you in the book, and I'm, this is my point of view, or I'm telling it like it is, or... For the most part, yeah. I, I called people, or I, I let them pre-read what I wrote, you know? For sure. Where, where, was anybody going, no, please don't? Um, no. <laughs> right on. Yeah, uh, yeah. But people weren't. I don't think, like, just from being a writer, I just know that, like, people don't r- like being written about, whether it's, like, I don't think people like reading about themselves because Laura's memory of things was, is obviously going to be different than somebody else's. Mm-hmm. And whenever I said that, Laura was like, yeah, but I wrote it down. So they can just, that's how it went. <laughs> I did. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping to see myself in the book. <laughs> well, I mean, there was parts of the book where I was on tour with you. Yeah. Like when I got arrested in Tallahassee, we were on tour together. We played that show together. We heard, I mean, for the record, I heard about it and we were ready. You had been arrested already, so there's nothing we could do about it. Uh-huh. But we were ready to go down for you. Thanks, I appreciate <laughs> yeah. it. No worries. You got it. Jo- Joan and I were at the, the Bill Paxton party, we were there. That was a wild night. That yeah. was a very interesting night. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, I bet you didn't think you all just bought a book that Bill pa- Paxson is in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was very, very odd. Are we get into that age where Bill Paxson might even be a deep cut. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Selena Gomez. Is that, is that For the help? record, just to bring up, has nothing to do, but at that party uh, that Bill Paxson was there, Jonah had on biker shorts. They were they're, really, they're, really they're, short. They were, they were like gym shorts. They were like gym shorts. I don't remember this. <laughs> no, no. But very sure he's one, the only one there in shorts. So that's like our takeaway. We actually, way back when on our TV show, we put a picture of us with Bill Paxton at the party. You guys weren't in it. I think Warren was in the background. And uh, Jonah, right up there, teensy, yeah. tiny little shorts. So <laughs> Look for that on the internet somewhere. I didn't know you at that time, but like our mutual friend, Jamie, was like, oh, I, 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 sometimes I'm like, oh, man, I wish we all met sooner and Jamie would be like no because Jonah was in this phase where he was like wearing these short shorts it, it was gets, just like not a good time to know it gets really him. hot here in the summer like right yeah no All right. no one's uh, on your side I know uh, 
<laughs> uh, was everyone on the same page with the title? I mean, did, did no, it was you know it was hard to arrive at for sure. I, I basically like had a piece of paper taped to my wall in my bedroom that I just like would every morning wake up and write down an idea for a title, um, and it, yeah. And and when we settled on the title, we were pretty convinced that the Hachette, who published the book, were not going to get behind it because yeah. it's kind of unmarketable. Um, but they did. We, we were we like wrote an email to them and. Our friend Chris Norris, who goes by the name Steak Mountain, he designed the books and he designed a lot of Against Me's records. He was supposed to come tonight and he forgot and went to Paris. But anyways, <laughs> he we we sent him the title and he came back with like literally exactly how that looks. Like it didn't change at all. And we were like, this rocks. And we sent it to the publish the publisher, and we were just like, we like this. Um, this is what we want to do. Let us know what you think. Two weeks, nothing. And we were like, we are so stupid. <laughs> and then we were like trying to think of other titles that were just like awful. And, and we were just like, why would, nope, they're not going to, it's so unmarketable. Like you can't, Amazon isn't going to take a book called that, you know? Yeah. And then they came back two weeks later. And I think the word that they used was, they were like, we ran it by our sales team. And I think the word they used was intriguing. <laughs> they were like, yeah, it's really intriguing. So it can stay. And we were like. And it's every every step that Laura and I had with the publisher, like we were just like two grew up. We had kind of like a similar like I'm sure like y'all like just like punk upbringing, and so we were just like the publisher was just like we were ready to fight them with everything. <laughs> we were like we want to call the book this, and we were ready for them to be like, no, you can't. We were gonna be like fuck you, authority. <laughs> <laughs> but they were like everybody was like really cool there, and they only gave us like supportive notes and feedback like no they really didn't say like you couldn't do anything yeah and that's why the book turned out the way it did do you want to talk about how you had another publisher that didn't see your vision for this book i mean it was like initially early on i i felt like it was kind of being trying to be pushed into like a very much like a becoming laura type of story and i was like that's just not me it's not you know yeah (laughs) i can't give you that it's just not the life i lived you know um and then it kind of at that time was like really like started to get like art by committee and then for a brief period of time that was i did some shows under the title killing me loudly because that was going to be the title because that was what it landed on and i hated that title but i was like all right fuck as long as it's not like an against me song title um but thankfully it worked out the way it did when we there was one day where i had to go meet with the publisher here in new york while you were away and i met with him and his name is moro i don't think he's here but he like really helped this book out and um i was just like we were just talking about what the book could be and I was like, are you like familiar with Laura or music at all? And he was like, not really. And I was like, okay, she's like dark. <laughs> and, and he was like, okay. And I'm like, so you're not going to get like a real flowery book from us, just so you know. And he was like, well, as long as it ends in like a positive place. And I'm like, I can't promise you that either. <laughs> And he was just like, well, maybe it can point towards a more... And I'm like, look, you're going to get the book that we're going to give you, and that's it. Well, I remember, like, when you came that first time to Michigan, being like, okay, and then, like, you know, for the ending, and then it, like, you know, it all works out in the end, right? And I was like, no, dude. <laughs> but Laura, Laura had, like, a real soul-searching over the last chapter, because... You were just like, how do I end this book? I'm not dead yet. Uh, I don't, how do you end a book? And like, that was like, 
it was like a what does my life mean type of thing for sure. you. And I was like, hey, can we just like work, please? She's yeah. like, hold on, I'm just trying to figure out life. <laughs> and then once I'm done with that. Well, and I mean, I kept writing. Like, I'm still writing. I have a journal upstairs that, you know, I'm almost finished with. Um, so it was like, you know, I think the book, like, really before the last part, like, ends in like 2012. And by that time, it's like 2015. That's three years that are like omitted from the book, you know? Yeah. How did your, how did your uh, partnership work out? How did. Well, we sat on Why did one side of the... Or, yeah, well, how'd you, get, how'd you hook up with Dan? Um, well, honestly, I don't think I told you this. So we, we um, me and Adam, who plays in my band, we were doing a thing in Las what Vegas. Uh, against me is the name of the band. Um, <laughs> we were See, doing... I'm still learning things about you. This is so cool for me. We were doing a show in Las Vegas, and um, you were writing an article on Refused. Yeah, I was on tour. Right, and you asked if I would comment on the article. And, like, it was a weird setup where, like, the backstage was completely across the venue um, and not connected to the actual stage area. And I was like, yeah, okay, like, I can come out and get you, but, like, it needs to be real quick to grab you because I don't want to have to, like, stop to talk to people or whatever. And I was, like, peeking through the fence, and you just came, like, sprinting up. And you're, like, looking around, and I was like, good hustle. Dan, good hustle. <laughs> so wait, that's what did it? That I was could totally, run fast? Uh, well, no, just it. Like, you that would gave explain shit, why you made you know? me run 200 meters every day, wind sprint. It's an illustration no, I, of your peak physical condition. Can I say also that that, connect, that event connected me to you in a, in a weird way, too, because I didn't know that we were going to work on the book together, but I remember, um, you, yeah, Laura had... Laura, I would text Laura, like, I'm here, and she was like, come to the left, and I'm like, I'm at the left, and she's like, no, and I just... I'm an idiot. Can you come get me? And she was like, yes, I will come get you. So she, come, she came out to get me, and she, she walked like literally from like this wall to that wall that grabbed me. And in between, like five people were just like, can I take a picture? Can I take a picture? Can I take a picture? And one guy came up, and he was like, can I take your picture? And you were like, yeah, yeah, sure, and took a picture. And then he like shook your hand. And he just said this as if it was the most normal thing. He just, I will never forget this. He just like looked at you, and he was just like, I really love your music. And you were like, thanks. And he just said, I, a couple years ago, I wanted to kill myself, and I, and I listened to your music, and I didn't want to anymore. And for me, I would have been like, I would have had no, nobody's ever said that to me, so I would have had no idea how to they handle that. They that about your writing. And I think, people yeah. said they want to kill myself after reading my writing. But, but, but then you just like looked at the guy, and you just went, well, I'm glad that you didn't. And I was just like, that made me realize that like, you must get that kind of stuff all the time, and shortly after that was when I asked if you wanted to start writing a, an advice column for Noisy to like respond to some of these emails that you probably get. And then that made us like an editor-writer relationship. Right, and then which we went, worked out. What yeah. a fortuitous night in Vegas. <laughs> you know, they say what happens there stays there, but uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the other thing, too, is that like, I knew you had been critical of me in the past, which meant a lot to me. It's one of those dicks. <laughs> but, I mean, it was real, you yeah. know? Like, I appreciated that. Well, I really, like, I, I told this story before, but, like, you're... Man, this is the worst place to just gush about you in front of 450 people. <laughs> it's Why? Like your place, I really was, I I'm still am, like, just a huge fan of Against Me. And when I was, I'll, I'll never forget, like, how I found Against Me. I, like, had one song on my computer back in, like, the dial-up days. And my girlfriend at the time, Tammy, she's, like, my best friend today, and she heard it. And um, she went out and just bought the record. And she called me on the phone, and she read me the lyrics you know, like we want a band who plays loud and hard every night. And she just read me the song. And she was just like, I feel like this is what we're always talking about. I'm like, yeah. And that just became our favorite fucking band. 
and it was just like thanks Dan yeah and I'm, sh- I'm like everybody I'm sure has a different like connection to finding against me but like mine was hearing the words over the phone then I heard the music not for me but <laughs> <laughs> I thought the words were rad there's something missing to me right now and it's the fact that you guys haven't hugged it out yet I mean this is real right now we hug all the time <laughs> I was wondering Dan like when you're going through these journals, obviously you're getting a perspective about somebody that's really personal and sure. really unique. How important or how difficult is it in the process of um, staying true to the sensibility of the person you're writing about? Like, how well do you have to try to get to know Laura to execute those journals right. and to be able to write in well, her sensibility? We got we got working together pretty... I, I liked our working relationship a lot. Like, we were on the same page and then also Chris who's not here he's very much on the same page with us as far as like the direction of the book um so we always like got along really well it was I really enjoyed that experience but it you know I was still a fan too and so there was a a weird thing in the back of your head all the time it was like okay well how would I feel as a fan reading this book and you know you don't want to make it like Laura is the greatest thing ever because that seems disingenuous to a lot of what she was writing about. So, you know, Laura doesn't really come off very well in the story and a lot of times, and I wonder how I thought about you guys all a lot when we were writing it, just like how you would take it as her fans. And, like, maybe some people wouldn't like you as much afterwards. Um, and that was like a risk that you were willing to take, and I thought that was like a really brave thing, because you, there was nothing that I ever, we were ever putting in the book where you were like, I don't want that there, or like, I, we need to soften that. Like every single thing went in the book. In fact, there were places where I was like, maybe we should cut that back a little bit, you know. <laughs> but there was like never a moment where Laura's like, nope, no, can't put that in. So yeah. So there it is. <laughs> <laughs> was it important to you to like? keep the blood and guts of the a hundred percent yeah uh-huh totally and in, and to remain like true to what happened then to not like go back and be a revisionist and explain like well the reason i felt that way was this thing that i didn't realize until years later i wanted it to like be true to what happened then and how i felt then when it was happening but i think it's also like you know it is important to realize that like You know, for me, journaling was never, like, about writing about happiness. It was never like, oh, you know, today was a great day and I'm going to write about that. It was always about writing down what was troubling me or, like, negative experiences. So that's kind of what the journals were. I mean, how present was the idea that your daughter would read it at some point or download it into her brain or whatever? Whatever (laughs) we'll be doing in 10 years, I don't know. (laughs) But you, you know what I mean? Uh, it's terrifying, you know. Like it's it's very present, you know. But I don't know what can what can you do, you know. Not, not to not to like <laughs> blow up your spot, but I feel like when we there was like a day where we sat. Well, there were like a few days where we sat just for like eight hour stretches and just recorded interviews. So that was like thirty hours, you know, of like recording. And I had to listen to it all back, you know. And the only parts where your voice like dipped down or like you could tell that you were not just relaying it on a practical level, but like on an emotional level was when you were talking about Evelyn. And that's how I knew that she was such a key part to the ending of this book and the future of, of yourself really. 
Um, but I think that the parts where you wrote about Evelyn were some of my favorite because you can tell that you're being very genuine about it, and it's really sweet. It's, yeah. So. Yeah, you can very, you can tell like for the parents out there. Once you have children, and then read someone like again, just waterworks as I'm reading the whole thing. I want to ask about the lyrics in the journal. It's, I mean, did you? I love reading them because I'm like oh, I recognize that. But was it was that something that you went back and then pulled those into songs? Did you know was that something you were going for as you were journaling that you wanted to share with people to see that process? Sure. I mean, if I like wrote something in a journal and I was like, oh, that's a good line, then I'd like expand on that line. And that was one thing that was like cut, you know, from like transcribing the journals is like the the all the journals would be like journal entries and like a couple pages of like scribbles of lyrics and working out a song and, and stuff yeah. like that. But that stuff wasn't transcribed. You know? That's like one of the biggest bummers of I mean, I, I think we did a good job of like curating the journals for the book, but that's like definitely one thing that gets lost because like one night I sat there and I just read all of 2012, 2013, which was like a super heavy year for you it was like right after Rolling Stone and, and everything and um one thing that doesn't convey is like some of the pages, the letters are just like scrawled. Like I was like, oh, Laura was drinking right before she <laughs> definitely. <laughs> I feel like you missed that when you read it back. And then also like it was just such a cool thing, and I'm glad everybody's here because it was such a cool thing to see it evolve. Because on some pages she would write a journal entry, and then on the left you would see like it was like a flip book for transgender dysphoria blues. You would see like one page you wrote like will God bless my transsexual soul? And then on the next page, it was like, does God bless my transsexual soul? And then it was like, will God? But you can see it like coming along, you know, and I like know the lyrics in hindsight. So you're like, oh, you're almost there. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) And so like, you just like see these like songs evolve. And like a lot of times it was just like, you wrote about just having the darkest day. And then that was when you wrote like True Chance Soul Rebel or something like that. And so... I'm glad that you all are here to see this because the book is like a, like this sounds so cheesy, but the book is like a really like a living, breathing thing. It's, it's an extension of your music. And so it's cool to see how it ties into that. So I feel like this is what the book is. You know what I mean? It's like a real thing. It's not just like words on a page. I don't know. Did you always know you wanted Chris to be involved? We tried not to. Yeah, that's that's what I was getting at. Chris Norris with like art. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Obviously, he's been such a big part of all all your art, you know, up to this point. Right. Yeah. No, I mean it's important, like from an aesthetic cohesion standpoint. Yeah. He also like didn't. If you look in the book, like every chapter has an original illustration from him, and that was something that like last minute, right? Like we were just like, Chris, you got anything yet? Because like. book's due tomorrow and then I feel like one day he was just like I got it like he read the book and he just came back with those over the course of like a weekend totally and we were like yep perfect thanks for pulling that out at the last minute right I mean originally like I wanted to because to, there's such like you know back catalog of art that he had made over the years like I was like oh it'd be great we can have like show posters and like shirt designs and record designs and stuff like that in there but Chris didn't really keep archives of anything so he couldn't like Oh, that tour poster I did back in you know 2004. He couldn't couldn't pull it, you know. <laughs> Throwing it away as he makes it. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> I hope he listens to this. He's not going he, to listen. He will not to listen. To He's this. not going to listen to this. <laughs> no. like we could uh, send him a link. I told him we would FaceTime him. <laughs> that would have been we, could, we were going to make a cutout and bring it up on stage, but we didn't get it. So just imagine a man going like this. 
<laughs> That's pretty much Chris Norris. For those on the podcast, I made a frowny face. <laughs> yeah. We always refer to Chris as the world's... He's, been, he's hosted the podcast with us as well, and we introduce him as the world's greatest shit talker because there's not one band, artist, or anything that he does not have an immediate, visceral opinion yeah. about. Immediately. Like, Chris, and, are, you, are you going to the show? I'll be like, no. And you're like, all right, sorry. If you feel like I, weird for asking? I, and whenever I've been like, hey, we're, uh, you coming to that Against Me show? He's like, no, there might be people there. <laughs> no, no, he wrote, there might be Against Me fans there. No, that's what he said. I have on that email. Well, honestly, I've known Chris for like almost 20 years now, and I've maybe hung out with him five times, five, six times. <laughs> but like, there's probably like two or three books worth of email exchanges between us, like just epic long emails. If those ever get published, that will be the end of both of your, well, not his career, but certainly. <laughs> just mostly us talking shit about movies so that's fine uh would you ever release the the journals as is kind of like a like tomes over time like year here year there um like what do you mean like literally just like pictures of them or like the kurt cobain journal we wanted to do it we wanted to do a zine of like some stuff that was on the cutting room floor but then we didn't have time yeah i mean there was a lot that was left out you know really when it comes down to it how do you decide that? I mean, I know obviously Dan here would help, but you know, if you have, were there, you know, heated discussions about, no, 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 this is super important and trying to, like, this is part of my life that I definitely want in there. And were there points of, no, no, wait, hold that off? I mean, it was just realizing, like, you can't be precious with stuff. And there comes a point where you kind of, like, detach from the reality of it, where everyone just became a character in it. You know, it wasn't me, it was just, like, some character on paper. Um, but, like, uh, you know, initially there was, like, a cold open to the book that was, like, a, whole chapter that was cut where we just realized at the end like we were both really in love with it and we're like no we gotta we gotta stick to it you, you gotta know? murder your darlings yeah and then we're like well no maybe we, we maybe also we'll sat it. we also sat like in Michigan and just one day just like sketched out what the the arc of the story was gonna be about and it like if you look at, I should like put those on like Discogs or eBay or something like that. It looks like insanity. <laughs> like it's just two of us writing. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good idea. Write that down. I looked at it the other day and it just says like Back to the Future, really big. And I was like, what? was it the Back to the Future ending? We yeah, were yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and it was just like nothing made sense in in looking at it. But um, but but we did come out like with a arc of the story about it. So once you do that, it's like okay, well, anything that doesn't fit into that story you got to cut it and there was some really cool things that got cut just because like it's like a, about a character that wasn't in the book or it was about like a tour that you know didn't make sense to include for for space you know yeah did you have a limitation for size well, it was a million and a half words. No joke. Like Laura's journals were a million and a half words. A million. And I, I have no idea what that is. That fifty it's, pages. It's a lot. Four hundred. <laughs> Imagine one word, and then times that by a million. A, right. Like a but double space cool. page is like two hundred fifty words. Oh wait, this so, is so it was, It's like a beautiful mind moment. We have a mirror just to write on. The book. It's the book total was seventy seven thousand words, seventy six thousand words. Oh, Jesus. so it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's quite a bit that got cut. It's about one twenty. Yeah. My quick math. Uh, uh, oh, please. Benny, please. No, Jonah. I'd um, like you to go. No, obviously, Benny. Benny. Obviously, <laughs> you know, in the course of the story, in the course of the book, so many people pass away. There's a lot of that kind of stuff happens. I mean, was it? hard to go back and think about all that stuff was that yeah i mean just the whole thing was really draining to be honest like it's great you know being here today and the book being out because like living in that 
the period of time between finishing and now, like I've, it's taken me a second to like recover from that because you, you finish it and you're like, well, that was that was my life, and a lot of it's not pretty, but those are things I did, and everyone's gonna fucking read it. And there that you section, go. There was a section about Pope, who people probably know from the song "Dead Friend," and um, you put those entries again, like just word for word as it was, and then you were gonna like cut some out of it, and I was like don't cut that like it made me like want to cry that I mean because it's just like when you write about somebody who passed it's just nothing but like emotion and so it was just so perfect it's like no 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 don't change a word of that it's perfect <laughs> yeah, that's like my favorite that were, was like the hardest to read in my the, opinion just those are important parts that connect with me. and again that was like entirely Laura and her journals like we didn't touch or add anything to that hmm. it was really hard crazy um, I thought it was interesting with uh, Renee Richards, the tennis player, mm-hmm. was the first time you'd heard about somebody transitioning, and that was in the early 70s she did it, right? Right. And do you know she's currently actually an ophthalmologist in California? I did know that, yeah. yeah I've actually Kinda met cool. someone who like had, had surgery on their eyes from them. So she's good. <laughs> <laughs> Take the hint, <laughs> Benny. It's good to know, just... I'll just put it down. But that was like literally like a paragraph in like a, a an almanac or a sports almanac right. or whatever, and I like cut out the paragraph and like kept it. You know. What I thought was interesting is, I mean, it, it, it's pretty obvious that um, when you were coming up and you were younger and you were having these feelings that there were very few outlets, especially where you lived and the kind of lifestyle you had, and just that one little piece of information was enough to hang on that it was sort of possible. Yeah, and that made me think: like, is the book, or was the impetus for writing the book, like, somehow connected to that? Where, like, now there's information if somebody is going through the same thing. Now there's somebody in public, somebody who's a singer for a band, going through the same thing, and I'm not lost in this process as as you felt so lost. I mean, that's what you hope for. You hope you're making a connection. You know, you're hoping that by sharing your story, someone gets something out of that. You know. Maybe. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What struck me about that is talking about just the the medical process of what you're dealing with psychologically, and then, of course, any medicine you take is going to have an effect on you emotionally or whatever. And that just struck me, and of boy, that just seems taking something that's already hard and multiplying it by a thousand. Something you've already been struggling with your whole life, and then you're like, well, I've now made this decision, oh, now I have to work. It just seemed like, I was like, I was like, what more, what more is she going to go through? <laughs> and then to stop and start again, it just it really, really got to me. And the book, the way you told it, just I felt your struggle. So I wanted to see, like, how is that? Is it, just, is it ongoing? Is there a period of um, I'm coasting now? Or? No, I mean, it's just the way it is, you know? Like, life, life keeps moving, and you, you, you learn to do it, you know? Yikes. Was there any point in the process where, like, it seems like such a an omnipresent thing that was on your head through all these years. I mean, in a lot of years. That was there ever a time where you did successfully push it back into your head for weeks, months at a time, where you were so busy with music, so busy. For sure. I mean, like signing to a major label for a while, it was really easy to distract myself there. And that was, you know, that was something I loved about cocaine is like being high on coke. I didn't fucking care about anything, you know? Well, I found that really interesting how sobriety almost led to the clarity in order to do it. It makes me think about a lot of those like old dads 
drink a lot and they have to drink a lot and now I wonder more I'm like why <laughs> like what do you got in there that you're drinking so much you know yeah something ruin <laughs> Uh, like the American Beauty guy, you know? Right. Like, something you want to open up with now? <laughs> uh, I wanted to thank Laura's helped me fulfill two of my editorial dreams. I've gotten to interview her for Playboy and High Times, <laughs> which is amazing. Thank you. Um, so we've talked so much. I mean, are you... Jonah took his issue of Playboy. <laughs> Jonah had a flood in his apartment, and it like kind of ruined his issue of Playboy. And he like had to write to the editor and be like, hey, can you send me another one? It got all wet. And then it was like... <laughs> the editor was like, Jonah, don't take it into the shower with you. But, yeah, I'm glad you told that story. Can I also yeah. say that the photo shoot for High Times was like literally the sketchiest fucking thing ever, where I like got brought to an abandoned house... And it was like just this table full of weed. And they're like, well, we need you to smoke that really like and like make a lot of smoke, you know? But no one would smoke with me. So it's just me sitting there smoking yeah, a ton of I weed. Know. And then people taking pictures of me. I thought I was going to get busted. Like any yeah. minute. I was totally Ah, you up. fell for it. The old high times photo shoot. Gotcha. <laughs> The ultimate in entrapment, high times. Seriously. Well, and then the person, too, from the magazine, they're like, my name's Mary Jane. I'm like, come on. It's true. Editor there is Mary Jane, as far as I know. I was so bummed I missed that. Um, But, I mean, so obviously we've talked so much. I mean, you're talking about stuff that's so personal. I mean, does it become kind of normal? Are you ever like, I just want to talk about music. Like, I don't want to talk about this deep stuff all the time yeah honestly a lot lately I've been thinking like you know maybe I'll just never do fucking interviews again after this like press run is done just never have talked enough about myself I mean like really like I I am kind of I'm sick of talking about myself when it comes down to it you know I felt like I I felt like a huge guilt after we finished the book because we were like for every day for a year like you were the first person I talked to when I woke up and the last person I talked to before I went to bed and it was just like we were just like this team for a year and then we finished it and I was like well, I'm done. <laughs> and, then, and then Laura was like, oh, you have to do a book tour and you have to like be topless in Rolling Stone. And like nobody asked me to be topless in Rolling Stone. So I felt like so bad that you had to do all this stuff where like kind of the purpose of the book is like here's this portion of my life that th- should answer all of your questions. I'll never have to answer any of this stuff again. And then people were like, hey, can we ask you questions about that book you wrote? You know, and like... <laughs> The worst though is like doing interviews now, and people are like, "So you, you have a book coming, you have a book coming out, and you just put out a record. So what else have you been up to?" It's like, Fuck! Come on, Jesus Christ! Like, what do you want? Like, I have a cooking show. <laughs> I've been trying to convince Laura to write a children's book with me, and every time I say it, she pretends like I didn't say it. She's like, "What's that, Dan? I didn't hear you, but I'll, we'll talk tomorrow." <laughs> What's the vibe of the children's book? Just Chris's illustrations of people being decapitated and stuff. <laughs> yeah, but that's what he calls Tuesday. So you've got to elaborate more. Uh, I have a question. Uh, this comes from Fat Mike. Um, Are you on the phone shit. with him right now? Yes. <laughs> Tell him no. that the client sucked. No. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, come on. Okay, I'm come just on. Come on. Why would you? Mad about the president. <laughs> Damn. Shut up. Not supposed to. Um... Uh, when is going? When is the rise against me first in the Gimme Gimme's tour happening? <laughs> Ask rise against. <laughs> Dear Tim, 
Legit, he's brought that up several times. So. Yeah, yeah, flat out. Fat Mike is in the book a whole lot, and we were talking about sure is. earlier today how he would take it. Because I've, I've only met him a few times, but he's like such a ridiculous person <laughs> that I'm just... Good start. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's, he's actually, what people don't know is he's actually, he's like a weird guy, but he's like very smart and yeah. actually pretty nice. Um, but I'm like curious how he would take this book. Good backpedal, Dan. Good backpedal. <laughs> Anyways, so as soon as that check clears from Fat Wreck, he's a very nice man. Good guy. But didn't he, didn't he this wasn't in the book, but didn't he uh, do the, didn't he play bass on Transgender? Did he he, he did. He played, two songs, uh, played bass on two songs there. We recorded a couple songs at his studio in San Francisco. Yeah. And what was, and wasn't this, you left Fat, like, was it a good split when you left Fat Records? Or? Um, yes and no. You know, like, I told Mike, because there was no contract, you know, or anything mm-hmm. like that, but we were like, we had said we were going to do another record. And I told him, and he's like, you know, I want you to do what's best for the band. And like, you know, that's cool. But Aaron, who runs the label, she was definitely pissed. Yeah. She, she felt slighted. And, and I get it, you know. Mm-hmm. So that was easy to go. So even though we did have the label thing, you want to play bass on a couple? <laughs> Why him out of like a lot of bass, bass players? Um, I, well, it, it was just like kind of, you know, like I found myself in need of a studio to go to to record. And I was like, oh, I bet no one's at Motor. I called him. I was like, hey, is anyone using Motor? And, and he's like, no. I was like, cool. And then, like, I was, you know, I played bass on every song, every song but the songs he played on on that record. I played bass. And I was like, well, if we're going there, I mean, you're a bass player. Do you, do you want to play bass on a couple songs, too? And he's like, yeah, sure. That'd be awesome. Wow. One thing I was really interested in, I was like, oh, I'm finally going to learn more about James in the book. And then I felt like every situation James in, you're like, and James just kind of like shrugged and like walked away. Yeah. When, when James writes his own book, James is like a man of few words. James will say like two words in a conversation, but they're like so smart and funny. And I'm like, what's that guy hiding? Like... When he writes his book, we're all fucked, I think. <laughs> I love it, though. Like, you'll see on Instagram, like, people will post pictures of their records that they got signed in the Against Me show. And there's always only three signatures. <laughs> James is always, like, straight from the stage onto the bus. Like. <laughs> He's too busy hiding bodies. That's <laughs> his vibe. <laughs> what a the weirdest callback. No, it's true. Yeah. That guy definitely murders people. Oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> is see, I James is here tonight. Though. I'm not sure, but I, I, I don't think he showed up. James, James? No. But okay. G- see, I'm James is smart because he's like, he makes people think, think he's an asshole, but really he's the nice one. Mm-hmm. Whereas I like, you know, make people think I'm really nice, but I'm actually an asshole. <laughs> so. That comes up a lot in the book, legitimately. You refer to yourself as an asshole and it's it's how do you I don't know how do you be objective about that like it's, it's you don't want to sound self-deprecating but there are instances in the book where you can go like yeah it's kind of a dick move yeah definitely. Well, I mean you know that's what a lot of the book is it's about self-hate I mean that's what the title is in reference to I don't like that word I fucking hate that word it's like mentally taxing to look at copies of the book for, for me but at the same time it's, it's apt because that's what a lot of it was about. You know, it was about hating yourself. And like I, like I, I told the publisher, dark book. Yeah. Dark book. <laughs> but important, too, to remember because, I mean, anybody who knew Tom before they knew Laura had, you know, not, not there wasn't this, like, blanket, like, dude's a fucking asshole. But a lot of people would say, 
He's a chippy fella. You might get into it. You know what I mean? You might, you might have a little problem. You might have something to say. You know, like we had it. Like a lot of, and and it's fine. But and everybody saw the change, too, that happened once you got this off of you. And I think that's an important thing to keep in the book is the fact that there was weight lifted. There was an actual thing nagging you that entire time. That well, it's mean, hard to be a nice person when you're fucking miserable. You know. Oh. Watch out for the mic. That was I don't, I don't do well up here. Drummers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> did, did Gaslight and Against Me tour together a lot? Uh, we did the... A couple times. Yeah, we did the tour, and it was in 2007, right? Yeah. And then we did the tour, uh, like, two years ago, right? Yeah. 2014, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, was, it was very different as far as just, like the vibe and the personality of both things. And, and it's, it's a cool thing to read the book and, and actually see some of the things that were going on behind the scenes more so because it made things... It's almost what James said in the book where after you told James, he said that he took a very long ride and things started like... He was remembering things from the past and being like, oh, that makes a little more sense. And I think for a lot of people that's kind of what it was. It was impossible to explain, you know, like small stuff like, you know, like Andrew who used to play bass in the band, like before we'd go on stage, be like, all right, boys, let's go do this. And it was like, fuck, you know, just like would piss me off every time. But he doesn't know why I'm pissed off, but I'm pissed off, you know. And ironic that you wound up on the revival tour right around the same time. (laughs) That was my... Dudes I, on dudes. I was on like, Laura, can I can I write this part about Chuck Reagan? And you were like, Yeah, go ahead. And I was like, Oh baby. <laughs> I just like spent a Dan, Laura was like, Dan, maybe three pages describing Chuck's beard is like yeah. a little bit much. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have to stress that this is like super manly tour. You know? Well, I mean literally like I remember on that tour, my friend January over there, who I came out to on that tour, like you took me to, I forget the name of the bookstore, but you're like, here, here's, here's a copy of The Whipping Girl, buy this book. And so, like, I would, we'd play the show, and I'd crawl into my bunk, and I'd be reading The Whipping Girl while Chuck is out there scaling fish in the front of the bus. And, like, it's just like a very manly, musty tour. You, he, like, would sleep, literally sleep with the fish. It was one time. <laughs> I mean, one time he slept with the fish. <laughs> one time is enough. Yeah, one time. I, I thought it was really funny how you know the pivotal sort of moment of you finally going public with the, with this I thought was gonna I kept waiting for it and then it was like oh yeah I got drunk and told Brendan Kelly yeah. and I don't really remember <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remembered why I like did a little background investigative work and I like called Brendan up mm-hmm. and I was like hey this is how Laura said it happened was it like this and he was like yep she told me everything and I really thought I was gonna spill the beans and I like just didn't. I thought for sure he was gonna. I thought for sure he was gonna tell everyone. Brennan, you know? if he's listening, is a very solid friend. Yeah, you it's know. true. He's a ridiculous, like, dick and fart humor man. <laughs> but he's really like, you could trust him with a secret. Did you learn anything out through this investigation you did? You had this phone call, <laughs> Bernstein. I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> we were just talking earlier about how around that time Brendan was like one of the only people that knew that Matt Skiba had joined Blink One Eighty Two, and that was another secret that he was like, "Dan, I, oh, I got, I want to tell you something." <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Brendan did that a lot with me too. Really? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, "What is it?" He's like, "It's about, it's, ooh, it's about." 
about Matt Skiba. <laughs> is, like, is he going to come out in any way? <laughs> and he's like, no, <clears throat> something big, something real big. <laughs> I was like, okay. And he wouldn't tell me, didn't give it up. So if you ever have a secret, Brendan Kelly. tell Brendan Kelly of the Lawrence Arms and the Falcon. Yeah. yeah. But well, people surprise me with stuff like that, you know, like, or I remember in particular, like, the people in Rancid really surprised me, where, like, Lars in particular, you know, I grew up loving Rancid. They were one of my favorite bands, and we toured with Rancid before I came out, and, like, Lars would, like, come into our dressing room, and he'd, like, flip over our couch and throw our stuff around and be like, fuck you, faggots, and, like, really, like, just, like, kind of lame and aggressive, but... Then, like, after coming out, we played a festival with them, and I'm like, oh, fuck, you know, like, this is gonna be, they're gonna be weird or whatever. And, like, Lars comes up to me first thing, takes me aside, he's like, hey, look, I want you to know I'm not actually really like that. Like, please let me know what pronouns you want me to use. Like, just as really, like, the most genuine person ever. I was like, wow, thanks, Lars. (laughs) So, you're still young. And you wrote a book. Thanks. I mean, about yourself, which is cool. So, I mean, what needs to happen to, like, merit another one? Uh, just keep on living, right? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you kind of, like, you did a lot of stuff <laughs> leading up to this point. Like, it's going to take... I mean, I'm still in my band. We're still together. We're still touring. fucked up decades. It's going to have to happen. I love it. And I, I was thinking about that show you did at City Winery, which I guess was sort of the beginning stages when you were reading from the journal and mm-hmm. then playing with Adam. How long? That was like, what, a year ago? That was, it wasn't the beginning stages. That Honestly, like, I, you know, I wrote the proposal for this book in 2012 oh, and wow. then like started working on it in earnest really in like 2013. Um, and then, you know, so it took like four years, really. Um, but, but like that, doing that tour was just like, okay, like wanting to, tr- to see like a reaction, to feel an immediate reaction from people after reading something and see what resonated. It was just sick of sitting in front of a computer, you know? Could you tell what resonated sort of in, that pro- in the process of those live shows? For sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. There were, we, you did a, one at Lincoln Center, and there was a line that like made people laugh or like it got a reaction. And I remember we had to like go back and like touch that up to make sure it like hit really hard right i think i think it was about shopping for women's clothes at sears oh yeah right and, which was yes. the first the first like the first one of the i remember that i said that was like one of the first lines that i that really like struck me just like the mundane nature of transitioning like just buying clothes at fucking sears and some woman just like doesn't want to touch them and like you know i don't there was it's something so banal about it but at the same time like really says a lot you know Yes. I mean, have you ever shopped at Sears, Dan? <laughs> yeah, I've shopped at Sears. What do you think right. I get my tires and our overalls from? <laughs> they paid me to say that. Yeah, I paid him and George Soros. Um, I, I find it cool. Like, to me, a lot of the things you talk about, you had so much struggle through the book, but you always find these ways to kind of end on sort of like a fuck you, I'm going to do it anyway kind of thing. Um, you know, even back in the day, you were talking about against me and saying how when things weren't going well, you're like, fuck it, I'm going to get this band out of Florida, we're doing this. And then when you hit these other things, you're like, fuck it, I'm trying this. And then you're at this point in your life, and you're like, fuck it, I'm transitioning, I'm going to be public, I'm writing a book. Like, where does that come from? Because there's, there's obviously, you can see in the book, all types of these personality traits that you would say, oh, I'm an asshole, or I'd been soft, or I'd been dishonest. But there's a toughness through the whole thing and a confidence. And I wonder, 
where does that come from in you? I guess it's just like stubbornness, you know? I'm just like, that's what I'm going to do, you know? And not, I mean, with music, it's like not having a backup plan, you know? I'm a high school dropout convicted felon, you know? Like, I, I don't know what else I'd be doing um, but playing music, you know? And it's always what I've wanted to do. It's true. In the book, there's many chapters which could have ended with, and then I gave up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the next chapter starts, and I'm like, God damn. Like, it just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. And obviously, it's something you want to do, and you want to keep living and, and doing this kind of thing. But it's a lot of people, I don't think, would have gotten half as far. Do you not take a lot of naps? I feel like I'm always, like, <laughs> I'm, like, always tired. I'm like, I should do this. I should write this thing. And I'm like, I'm just going to go to bed. And it's, like, an hour later. And I'm like, I guess... <laughs> I'm actually really good at naps, like really? short naps, like especially like before a show where I can like close my eyes, fall asleep, 15 minutes, wake back up. You set so. an alarm? Or no? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Phone alarm. 15 minutes, huh? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really glad that this experience is helpful for you, Jonah. And your I was going to ask cycle. Dan for some workout tips also. <laughs> yeah. Sleep and workout. <laughs> Dan, we haven't touched on your pectorals yet. Thanks, I'm hoping to. Appreciate it. You can all touch them when you, when you ask them to sign the book. Just give them a shove. Thanks. Appreciate it. He works hard on it. Um, so uh, you got the record done, you got the book done, and people always ask, like, what's next? But I'm going to do it. Does the song process, does coming up with song ideas, does that ever stop? Um, you know, it was, it was like the reason I think there's, there's a new Against Me album now um, is because I was doing a book at the same time. Is because it took all of the pressure off of songwriting. It was like, okay, all the pressure is on this book, you know? So then it was like, I need to be working on this book right now. There's a chapter due or some shit. And I was like, but maybe I'll pick up my guitar instead and write a song, you know? So just total distraction, you know? We, when, when Laura was like, we both had like full-time jobs while we were working on the book, so we worked like very weird hours like we would get up at like five and write until like eight and then like go do our things and then come back and you know work at night and uh laura was like (laughs) it was just like such a weird because she was working on the album at the same time and she was like playing me some of it and some of the lines we stuck in there in the book like there were a lot of like whittle against me song lyrics that we like hid in the book for like fans to find and then Laura put lines from her album that wasn't even out yet in the book and I thought we were like geniuses I was like oh shit people are gonna read this like it's fucking Lord of the Rings like they're gonna fucking find shit in like 60 years buried under this and shit like they're gonna teach this shit in school in like 2050 but there's a lot of little Easter eggs for like fans to find in there, and we have we always had to like leave a note for our editor and be like, "Don't touch this. <laughs> this is a lyric. Like you can't mess with the wording of this." There was even like a pun that we put in that I thought Jonah would like. That you, that was all you. It was a no effects pun for the real heads out there. <laughs> like, oh, about uh, them uh, at the in the lunch line. Yeah, uh, at, 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 on Warp Tour and. I'm never standing at the end of the longest line. Oh, wow. I totally didn't pick up on that. The rest you have to find. But there are no fewer than 300 no effects jokes (laughs) buried in this book. One on every page. That was the demand that I met. And what's the pun count? Not too many. Not too many. Couldn't get him Jonah Bayer approved? No. (laughs) You have to send all puns to the Punisher. I'm still like thinking about a ranted pun from your story, and I'm like, (laughs) it's like 80% of my brain right now. Um, well, uh, 
Everybody, we're kind of wrapping this up now. I want to really quickly, uh, also, Brad wasn't able to sit in because he was doing audio, but Brad produces our podcast. He's one of the hosts. He made it sound awesome. So thank you to Brad. I just, I'm right here. I have nothing to say. You guys can hear me. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I guess we're going to take a little break, and then Laura is going to play some songs. Yeah. Oh, and also, one more thing. Uh, We're going to try to get this podcast out. Are we going to try to do it tomorrow? We can do it tonight. Tonight. Whoa. This podcast, it's going to be on iTunes and our website, goingofftrack.com, <laughs> if you want to listen to this tomorrow. So, cool. Listen Thanks. for your specific clap. Yes. <laughs> Thank you guys very much. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks guys. a lot, guys. Thank you.